to the House of Learning podcast produced by a Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today we're talking about Hear the Cry's trip to Uganda. So, hey everyone, I've got Weston with me and Jerry, and you guys, well, I'd say just got back. A couple weeks. You're over jet lag. A couple weeks, You've yeah. assimilated back. Yes. I think so. Have you? How was sleep for you? It was rough, huh? For a little bit. I went to bed at 8 o'clock, which was normal because it's when the kids go to sleep. Yeah, well, that's good. Up at 6.30, which was nice because then kind of have a little time in the morning <laughs> to, you know, breathe. Yeah. And then Not uh, bad. That's awesome. That Weston's like no nervously laughing like someone who woke up at 3 a.m. and didn't no. quite manage that. Oh, my gosh. No, it was fine. It was fine. It was just like, I think for me, like, the jet lag on the way back is always worse. On the way there, it felt like nothing, really. On the way back, it was like all of a sudden by 5 o'clock in the evening, your eyes start stinging. You're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. But it was good. But no, we're back, recovered. And so how long were you there? Uh, 10 days. On the ground, 10 days, yeah? Yeah, yeah. on the ground, 10 no. days, yeah. And then... Like 16 days travel. <laughs> exactly. It was rough. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a big travel day, but it was really cool, yeah. And uh, you went to two locations. Yeah, we did. So so we took, actually, there was four of us that went. So myself, uh, Jenny, my wife, and then my dad actually went. My dad's been a, he's run a nonprofit for about 30 years, and I just absolutely love his perspective and points of view. And especially, I think one of the cool things about this trip is that it was the first time that we've sent anybody over to our partners um, in Uganda since 2019. Yeah. Uh, so to be able to go and get really the, the the state of how everything is doing and how people are doing over there and how our teams are doing over there and, and our partners, it was really great to have my dad's perspective on all of that. And then Jerry, Jerry Buttles, amazing photographer, uh, just but just a better dude. Um, we got to know Jerry a couple of years, a year and a half ago, something like that. We got to know him a little bit and uh, just willing, a heart willing to serve. And so um, I asked Jerry if he'd want to come. He said, yeah. yeah. So are you glad you went, Jerry? Absolutely. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. Yeah. Um, good uh, perspective on things and, and I really enjoyed it. Filled my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that because uh, Weston, you've traveled lots of places. Mm-hmm. But for you, Jerry, have you done lots of travel before? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been uh, to plenty of places. I have never been to Central Africa. I've been to Southern Africa. Um, but yeah, that was my first trip to South Africa. Cool. Yeah. And so whereabouts in Uganda? Like this, yeah. you have to, cause okay. lots of people don't have a picture yeah, no, no, of Uganda no. in their head. Yeah, so that's okay. give us the geography lesson. Yeah, and, totally get it. So and, what, we, and what it's like there. Yeah. So landed in Kampala. Um, uh, we went Portland, Seattle, Seattle, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Rwanda, Rwanda, um, Kampala. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a beast of a flight, but landed in Kampala, which is, um, I guess central South Uganda. Um, and so Uganda is just this tiny um, country. <laughs> Sorry, I just told some froze. <laughs> Have a complete yeah. blank complete on the bro- word country. Yeah. Country. So um, Jerry, tell us about the geography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah the, it's uh, most of the most of its lake. <laughs> yeah. So to the left of Uganda is the Republic of Congo. Yeah. And it's just kind of it's stationed kind of in the the central um, east part of Uganda. But uh, landing in Kampala, it's on the shore of Lake Victoria, mm-hmm. which Lake Victoria is the second largest um, lake in the world. Freshwater second, lake, yeah, freshwater Massive. lake, second second to Lake Superior. Um, 
but it's it's huge. It's huge. And so we landed there, uh, spent the night there as we landed. Then we drove up, what was it, like eight or nine hours mm-hmm. to uh, Gulu, which Gulu... The is, next morning. The next morning. Yeah. So Gulu's second largest city in Uganda. Mm-hmm. So I was actually... I didn't realize... And that's where Elefante Commons is at. And I didn't actually realize how urban they were. Like, it was, it was incredible, mm-hmm. the urban amount that just the number of people mm. the number of bicycles the number that of motorcycles cool. the number of cars the number of donkeys it was, just, it was just incredible it was like busy 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 yeah. i mean that one intersection we went through cars one direction are going about 30 miles an hour yeah. which isn't fast yeah. but when you realize cars the other direction are yeah. also doing about 30 and nobody's stopping and they're just yeah. weaving each other it's just a uh, i'm I was glad i wasn't driving at that moment <laughs> um but it was incredible so we that was elefante so that was gulu and we spent the first, it was just a few days up there. We didn't spend long. Um, we just didn't have a ton of time. And so, but it, but it was really good to actually get to see um, Elefante Commons and what they do and what they're about. They have, what is it, like five acres, four acres, something like yeah, that? Five acres, I think it was. Um, on, that they're, they're renting um, right there in the heart of Gulu. And they've turned it into kind of partial farmland, but also partial like office space. There's several buildings, I don't know, like maybe eight or 10 buildings somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, yeah. And they've broken them up into several small offices inside Mm. and their whole purpose of Elefante. And I didn't even, I I didn't know. I mean, it's so funny. I like, I feel embarrassed because I've been doing here the cry for a couple of years, but the story that I've heard and what I've picked up about Elefante was just the tip of the iceberg Mm. on what they really Mm. do. And so, um, I, their main purpose, I would say, is to empower local leaders to give back to their community. And so because of that, they actually offer free um, free office space mm-hmm. for small startup nonprofits mm-hmm. um, and for-profits mm-hmm. uh, to come and use a space to be able to um, give back. And so for the for the the day, the two days that we were there, almost every hour we worked, we talked and heard from or visited another one of their partners. Um, that are all run by Ugandans from Gulu yeah. uh, to they're, they're just doing incredible, incredible things. And you got to just photograph a ton of that stuff. That's yeah. cool. So they're really trying to partner with like local entrepreneurs. Yeah. To, I mean, not just a really partner, but assist. to push forward, like, mm-hmm. yeah. like go. And, yeah. Yeah. and so what was really cool, I mean, Jerry talked about it on Sunday, but Jerry, you want to just talk a little bit about hashtag Gulu. Oh yeah. Hashtag was, uh, was uh, compelling. I mean, we sat there, they came in, um, told us their story about how they help kids on the street, get them off the street, get, um, teach them skills, uh, and they use Ele- Elefante Commons as a space to do that. In the back, there was this place where they did some brick-and-mortar work, and they're teaching these kids okay. all, this, all this, you know? Um, it was really neat, you know? Uh, and then just the risk it, it is for them to um, do this work because associating themselves with these kids that are on the street can put them at risk by law. Um, so just doing that work was just, you know, it's dangerous, but they enjoy it, and then they feel like God has put that on their heart to do that. So it's something that d- they don't blink twice to. Yeah, I love that it's not. Um, I don't know. There's a bad flavor of some trips, which is like we're going to come in with our agenda, our thing to change the world. We'll be gone in a week, but you'll be glad we were here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, what's going on at Elefante is like God's already doing stuff mm-hmm. locally. And then Alafante is like accelerating and amplifying and, you know, really trying to release those things that God is stirring. For sure. And, uh, and a massive variety of different things yeah. as well. So why, like, 
why is that? Because, I mean, you've got entrepreneurs all over the world, skills, needs. Like, why is that so important in Gulu? Like, why why is yeah. that a call that really matters to be doing, to make that difference? Because you've already got awesome local people with a heart to do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, how's Elefante really... Yeah, I think one Critical. of the things. Yeah, one of the things that Elefante brings to the table is is generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the things I didn't quite realize, and I can't speak for all of the culture of all of Africa or even in all parts of Uganda. But as we were being shared with, and as we were learning, um, there's there's a sense of competition, I guess, between between each other, between parents, between their kids, between other other people that have skills and very few people. Um, it's just, or I should say, it's not common in the culture. And again, I can't speak for all of Africa to pass on their skill to their son or their child or somebody else. It's very much like, well, no, I know how to weld, for example, or I know how to make a dress or I know how to um, whatever. So I'm just going to do that. And I'm not going to teach you how to do that because then I have the corner market on that. And so what Elefante does is they actually empower um, local leaders in the area who actually want to change some of that and want to say like, no, I actually want to teach, but there's no space for that. There's like very few, like the event space Elefante has, it's incredible on their property. They have a restaurant, which by the way was incredible food. Yeah, so good. Um, but they have a, a space there, um, for events that just is, it's, there's just not common mm. to have an event space or to have a school room or a classroom. And so they've turned some of their spaces into just like meeting rooms or conference rooms, which we think like, oh yeah, cool, nothing of it. But it's so rare to find that, that they've actually provided a place and a space for people to learn and to be educated and to and to pass information back and forth to each other. And so I think the heart there, and as we go through all the partners, and we don't have time even in this podcast to go through all the partners, but as you go through all of them, you realize, yes, the heart posture is to love and to serve and to teach like these hashtag Gulu, these four, these four, um, what were that early twenties had, had to be, yeah. um, some of the most courageous, brave people I've ever met, like going out into the streets late at night, like middle of the night, because that's when some of the street kids would be out and just loving them. Mm-hmm. The purpose isn't just to teach them how to do things. Mm-hmm. The purchase purpose is to introduce them to Jesus, mm-hmm. but they're, but they're meeting a need first and mm-hmm. then they're stepping into that. Yeah. And I, I absolutely love that because then for the team at Elefante Commons, they just simply get to empower the people to go back out and, and do that. And so hashtag Guli was incredible. Um, uh, there's another one called Taka Taka, which was uh, basically plastic recycling. And this was just a, it, it just blew my mind yeah. what they did. Yeah. They had like, uh, their property was probably an acre. Uh, and then a quarter of that was all this plastic recycling bottles layered against what were those banana trees? So it's just like you had all this plastic. And if you looked at it at first, you'd be like, wow, this is just like, well, it's all this like litter doing here, but it's all plastic against the banana trees. And then they have a facility that um, they use and a process they use to recycle all this. And he said within a, with what he has, how long did he say? A day like or four days. Four days. All, of all that plastic would be recycled. Wow. And they'll bring another truckload. Yeah. And so you were just like, wow. Incredible. And then they would so turn amazing. it into things like, well, any, like they basically take the plastic, turn it into, I don't know, like a coasters. Yeah. Like a goop that then they put into mold. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they, yeah, and then it just like, so coasters, chairs, yeah. tables, amazing. face shields, everything. And then as we were walking out, there's like this bottle of like 
it looked like beer sitting like, but it was like two liters. I'm like, what was this? And he's like, oh, we're working on returning plastic, turning plastic back into diesel fuel. And he just said it in yeah. passing yeah. as he walked by. And so this is somebody that just is and from... And he's like 25. Yeah. How old? He's young too, huh? Exactly. Just yeah. this young dude. Somebody from Gulu yeah. has a heart to help his community and his oh, people so cool. um, and just lead in, in innovation and um, purpose and uh, just beautiful. Um, he was uh, recycling wood too. Like yeah. They were recycling. Uh, they were building like chairs and benches and tables and... wow. Because so recycling's everything. not a thing. No. And so for him to come in and say, no, we're gonna we're gonna step into this really hard and heavy is beautiful. And again, they got their start from just a small office space at yeah. Elephant yeah. Commons. Yeah. yeah. Um they so built they build these metal structures that look like animals. And they have one at Elefante Commons, but it's it's a place to recycle your bottles. Yeah. So they had one there. There was an elephant, but like guess he's building these things around the city so that people can just throw their plastic bottles inside of it instead of yeah. just throwing on the ground. And then he goes and collects them. Yeah, so it's, it's cool. just really cool. Yeah, it was neat. So with all of this, I mean, like you said, Western, like Jesus is a part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of practical difference being made, like just releasing that people in that local community to make practical differences, step into those needs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why does that matter in this bit of Uganda? Because I can, I'm just like, I want to play almost devil's advocate. Yeah. And be like, well, you know, if they've got entrepreneurs, like, why support? Why get involved? Like, shouldn't we just be, like, going over there and just telling them about Jesus? Isn't that, like, what they really need? That's an interesting question, and I would have to just, like, go, like, yes, they absolutely do need Jesus, but we're also called to care for creation, mm-hmm. and we're called to care for um, the people around us, and we're called to... Uh, beca- because the story of Jesus is not just simply um, we're going to preach the gospel and walk away. It's actually a lasting relationship that can change over generations. And so it's one of the things that I love about Elefante is that they're there working right now. We're here having a podcast. They're still working, yeah. and they've been working, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep working, and they're not going to stop working uh, to love their community really well, to love the people there, and then also just to care for their environment, um, which is a which is a call from Jesus yeah. to to take care of the world that we live in. And so there's there's this beautiful there's this beautiful um, hunger. I think that that the people that work with Elefante have for learning and for understanding and for growing, but they but they just didn't have a place really. I mean, according to what we learned from Elefante and learned from even the partners themselves that said, we, we just didn't know where we could start. There was no place for us to get this yeah. start. And mm. then they found yeah. Elefante. And so there's this, there's this relationship and this long-term goal. I mean, if you think about, I mean, what the Kinjani is a name of one of the other partners that they work with and their whole purpose is to help replant the forests of, of, of Uganda, which are just being decimated right yeah. now. And so, I, I mean, we could go on and on and on. I don't know if that quite answers your question, but I think well, that there's... It's, it's a massive question. <laughs> it, is, it is a massive question. I, I think what, it, from my perspective, is that there's tons of talented people there. Right? Yeah. They, I think what's the problem is that they've been limited to a ceiling yeah. in their, where they live that they can't get past. Mm-hmm. So... What's nice, what's cool about Elefante Commons is that I, it's this space that's just radiating with love and community. It feels like going to college. 
It's, you know, there's rooms for you to, to use to do a conference call. There's rooms for you just to relax and read. There's places for you to eat. There's a network of people there to talk mm. and to bring together. And I feel like I didn't see that a lot around the place. Yeah. And that can help because I could be sitting on this side of the room and I can meet somebody over there and they could be like, oh, I'm working on this thing and I just don't know how to get to this point. And we'll be like, I know a guy that can mm. do this. Yeah. And just that aspect of like network mm-hmm. can just help everybody mm-hmm. in yeah. that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean, Jesus is into healthy community. Yeah. yeah. Like we talk about it, but Jesus isn't just into healthy community groups in a church. Like Jesus is actually into like just healthy community. Like yeah. the book of Acts, you know, you've got people like, oh, you've got a need. We'll collect, you know, they're just interacting yeah. with each other because what's going on over there matters over here. Yeah. And yeah. So to for these guys to be in their city, you know, this is a thing Jesus is into. Yeah. And it's interesting to me as well because sometimes people, <clears throat> you know, they rail against the prosperity gospel, all right. this jazz, and, um, and and partly, you know, rightfully so. But, like, in the American West, we're obsessed with material things. Mm-hmm. And that shapes our view of, like, blessing. So there's lots of, like, yeah, like a part of the narrative I have inside me is, like, I want to follow Jesus and go to church and do these things to be successful so I can have more stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. that will be the metric by which I'll know whether I'm being successful. Right. And right. being successful is the reason we do things. Right. And so then we can look at somewhere like, you know, and it's just interesting to me then that we'll, we could look at somewhere like Gulu and then be like, well, no, they just, like, they need their spiritual need net met because the narrative we've got is if we do that, then they'll be, like, safer, they'll thrive right. materially, right. you know, all of right. these things. Right. When actually, like, even what salvation might look like, and you see this all through Scripture, mm-hmm. like, there's so many people in, in the Bible where, you know, they're saved from brokenness, from sin, from the kingdom of darkness, from all these things, but the entry point for them to understand there's a God who wants to save is, I'm going to rescue from that need you have. Yeah. You yeah. know, and what salvation could look like for a street kid is just not having to you know, face those fears, those needs, right. you know, yeah. things like that. Right. Right. And so these local people, like, they're doing such a Jesus-shaped thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And and then the fact that you've got, like, all these Christian roots there mm-hmm. means it can join up with the rest of God's story. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's so beautiful. And I think really to <clears throat> give a little more context to that question, like, we have to zoom out and talk a little bit about the heart of Hear the Cry and what we're about and where we're trying, what we're trying to be about I think there's so because there's so many amazing nonprofits. There's so many amazing people that are out there doing really good things all around the world. And I know that Elefante Commons does not have the corner market on cool nonprofits. I know that they're one of 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 several million probably in the yeah. world, right? But why why we I have identified them um, is it, well, there's three things. Hear the cry. We we're going to work with partners that go after the one of these three areas. Um, it's going to be refugee care. Um, it's going to be orphan and widow, and then it's going to be human trafficking. Those are the three. Those are the three areas. And as much as I love and support, and, that, and that's a little bit of like they're important, but right. a little bit of like praying, God, where do you want us? Ab- absolutely. So it doesn't absolutely. You know, I mean, other things are like they just don't matter. Right. Right. We're just exactly. Asking God, because having some focus is we can't do everything. Exactly. I mean, if we said like we're about we're about poverty work or we're about. Um, 
uh, houselessness. Well, then that's everybody. And, and that's just really hard to make a decision on where we actually can make a difference with. Yeah. And so um, at the beginning of Westside, when it was Solid Rock, that was the um, where they felt God calling them to step in those three areas. And we've just continued that continued mm-hmm. that trend. Again, yeah, I totally agree. Like there's amazing work done in many other areas, but these are the three that we've gone after. And the reason that we don't, um, the, the fact is, any, you go very far, deep, very far into like uh, human trafficking, refugee care, orphan and widow work. You're going to come across houselessness. You're going to come across uh, poverty work. It's just all there, right? So, so we're going in these three specific areas, um, and then with that, it's it's about networking and knowing people and the people that are running Elefante Commons right now, Quinn and Britt Neely, amazing young couple. Um, we have a relationship with them. Uh, they it, years ago they were a part of Westside. Um, and so we got to know them that way, and they went out and um, um, started this nonprofit. And it's one of those things that they're they're going to do with or without our support, which I also absolutely love. As well as they're all about raising local leaders and influencers. And I mean, I, I Jerry and I were talking about this um, the other day. Just like I felt like us going, we're we're not going to bring anything special. We're going to learn. Yeah, and it's absolutely. unbelievable what we learned from the leaders that are in that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't even really explain it. No, I mean, yeah, within five minutes of one story, you're like, how's not, how's this not getting shared with everybody? Like, how does not everybody know what's going on here? Because it's just like work that seems like it would be so hard to accomplish or even understand, and they're just they're just doing it every day. You yeah. know, it's just normal. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea of um, that partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not we have and you don't, so we'll make a difference to you. Right. But actually, right. there's a, uh, you know, uh, and yes, when it comes to some of the material resources, we may have. Mm. But there's actually, like, there's a flow the other way as well. Oh, yeah. And um, we got so much to learn from other cultures. Yeah. So much to learn from people following Jesus in different contexts where they've got strengths. We don't even know we've got a weakness in and if we actually were like exposed, you know, and and you, you blend all this together, yeah, you know, it's the body of Christ. Yeah. Like yeah. Jesus said, like yeah. in this diversity there is strength. Yeah. And so so much to gain when these partnerships really are a two way street. So yeah. so what's um because we we want to talk about that's this wasn't the end of the trip, so we gotta get right. to the rest. Right, right, right. Since since we are on this, um like, what are some of the things you're carrying back now to Westside, um, you know, that that you've learned, that you're exposed to, that's sort of like, wow, that's that's now, like, that can affect us over here. Yeah, I think, honestly, the way that, that they're loving their community and empowering the local leaders in their community to and giving them space to to mm. to try and to and to fail and to try again and to fail and to learn this way and then finally hit on something and go and do and make a difference in their community. We have so much to learn in empowering the people around us to go yeah. and to do and to be. I think we are really good at at loving the people that um Man, I just take this with a grain of salt. But I think we're really good at loving the people that come in the doors on Sunday. And we're getting better at turning back around and, and affecting our community. But that's an area that we at Westside, that that me, my family, um, can definitely learn. Is like, how are we 
<clears throat> able to love our neighbors better? Mm-hmm. And then also, how are we, it, when we identify people that are in our own community that are killing it, that are, that are doing huge things, like getting behind them better, and then how are we hearing about them? There's just all of these things that I start thinking about, like, we we can push the ball forward. We yeah. can do better at empowering people to love our community really yeah. well. And I yeah. think that was the one thing that I took away from Elefante, just thinking like we have so much to yeah. learn from the people there. So you got inspired. Oh really. my gosh. 100%. Yeah. It yeah. was like a compassion clinic every day there. Yeah. yeah that's a really good. Like analogy. just that feeling of like people are making a change every day and you mm-hmm. just sit there and you just go, I, I can just hang out here and somehow I would learn something new every day. Um, and, and from my, from my perspective, just from me, I would like, yeah, I would love to learn brick and mortar work, you know, yeah. and then I can take that skill and I can teach it to somebody, somebody else. So that kind of idea of like, you're there. And then you can also, you know, there was one guy that ran this water filtration. He's a okay. local guy. He's the only guy that knows how to run that system. One, one dude. One guy. Yeah. Wow. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, he has so much power h- himself to be like, this is what I do. This is how I do it. And then he's going to share on how to do that. Yeah, and he's working at at. Um, there's a bunch of different wells that have been dug um, throughout Uganda, um, and I want to say this really carefully because I don't ever want to come across in a way that says helping is not good. But if you've ever, ever read the book When Helping Hurts, mm. um, it's a really interesting. We'll put a link to that. Here. It's yeah, an awesome book. It's a really interesting look at how sometimes helping isn't helping. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been a lot of uh, wells that have been dug in, in local areas because water is a, is a huge mm-hmm. need. And so you think, oh, awesome, that's fantastic. It is, but, but the follow-through yeah. has been really poor mm-hmm. on some of those things. Not, not, not all, but some. And so specifically in the water area, there's these wells that are that are fresh water. Natural springs. But but they're mm. but they're the follow through wasn't there to now they're just big mud puddles. Mm-hmm. And there's just like this drain of this big mud puddles and it's actually creating like swamp land. Mm. <laughs> it's it's and it, the water's filthy. And so it's it's a good idea, but there's no follow through. And so what this one guy has decided to do is actually built this system that he can go into those wells that have been built and actually finish it by adding basically a spigot um, that lift, get it off the ground, make it so when you turn it on, it's clean water coming out. You're not having to get your water out of a mud puddle that Mm -hmm. animals defecate in, which has been some of it. So it's like this. And so he's done this over and over and we got to go see some of those things. And it's just beautiful. Um, So yeah, that's really cool. I think asking questions is a big, like, a blight that just went off in my head when I was there. It was like living f- away from some uh, another country or trying to help something that you don't really understand. Yeah. You want to just, like, th- throw money at it, right? Like, your idea is, like, this is going to help somebody, right? In the in, But in terms, it's like, no, ask a question of what mm-hmm. somebody needs because maybe somebody just needs a lending, a hand to help build something or they need an ear to listen to them about something. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, it's not an e- nothing's just an easy fix because the dollar goes a, a long way. You know, it's kind of like, no, an ear to listen to somebody mm-hmm. that wants to talk to you is more helpful than yeah. that that would be, you know. And that's I love that um that's something that is really transferable. So, you know, you can sometimes people go on a trip and there's you know, they get to make some sort of special difference because they're an outsider. And sometimes it is the power of the dollar or sometimes it's like 
there's a cultural infatuation with Americana. Or, mm-hmm. You know, all sorts mm-hmm. of weird stuff can happen. But then you come home and you're like, ah, kind of back to like square one. Yeah. But actually, if you learn like the power of asking questions and get inspired mm. by like how Jesus is working in those people, mm. you kind of come back and you can see your own city differently. And and you start asking questions of your neighbors mm-hmm. and colleagues, mm-hmm. and, you know, and things like this. And yeah. like some of that stuff is, I don't know, the way Jesus changes our perspective to see things mm. and then equips us with simple skills mm. to like actually start to interact with those things. Mm. Because we are massive, massive poverty in the U.S. Yes. Yeah, like it's kind of shocking to a lot of the rest of the world. Like the proportion of the population that's got poor literacy, lives below the breadline. Yeah, you know all of these things. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's a danger, maybe like a you know a bit of a suburban context that yep. we're in. Yeah, mm. like it's really easy to have a rose-tinted view of your surroundings. Absolutely, right? and and as well as the danger of saying, okay, we're going to take care of all of those sort of needs in another country and miss our neighborhood, which I just don't think that's what Jesus has called us to do. No, there's I, a word for it. It's called hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus is not into that. Not in hypocrisy. <laughs> and so as we begin, as we continue to take trips with Hear the Cry, and even the ones that we're launching, you know, there's four more coming up, and maybe we can spend another podcast talking about the purpose of the other ones. But the whole hope is that they're outpourings of what we're doing in our community right here. Yeah. And that's the reason there is like we, we want even the people that go on those trips to be people that are doing the work right here at home. Mm-hmm. And then are, are seeing that, hey, you have a heart to uh, love the orphan and widow, a heart to, to yeah. love refugees. Well, then have you ever considered like maybe going yeah. on a trip and seeing what, what this looks like? Because then what they learn is going to empower Impact. more of yes. what they do back here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I've had so many, I've done so many um, trips like this, so many where you get back and, and the trip participants don't quite know what to do with what they learned or saw. Yeah. And so it's like, a, well, then I just need to quit my job and I need to go move over there because when I'm over there, I know how to serve Jesus. Yeah. But at home, I'm not sure how to do that. Yeah. And, that's, and that's a broken part of, honestly, of the way that mission trips, quote-unquote mission trips... Yeah. Especially have, short-term ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's one of the major cons. And so in order to combat that... One, we're, we're taking these trips to locations that we know we're still doing the work, whether mm-hmm. we're here or not. And two, we want to make sure to send the people that are actually have a heart for that work as well. Yeah, definitely. So that it, it impacts it. Because so, it's like we know we're supposed to serve. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that's a part of a Jesus-shaped life. But a trip isn't like, okay, I've ticked that box for the year. Right. Now I'm good. Right. The trip should be fueling you living that Jesus-shaped life mm-hmm. 365 days a year. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best definition yeah, of you're the yeah. cry. Well, okay, so from Urban Gulu, Jerry, take us on the, on the road now. Nine, nine hours some, back. From some of the photos, like now yeah. you get to see some of the amazing beauty yeah. of rural Uganda. Yeah, I mean, the drive is awesome. I mean, there's cattle on the side of the road everywhere. Uh, some paved road. Some We drove for a couple hours on unpaved road, which was quite fun. Um, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah, and what was crazy is there was pine trees. Yeah. In different parts. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're kind of like, what, yes. what, is, what yeah. are these pine trees bizarre. doing here? Yeah. It's like a weird little northwest flashback. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was kind of weird. Uh, and there were some cactus out in the middle of, of, of a few spots that I saw. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, it, it, and it's endless and it's vast and, and there's people, you know, everywhere and there's smiles everywhere. I yeah. mean, that's one of the most things I encountered as I was driving was all mm. the smiles, all the kids playing football. 
you know, like endless. Yeah. Um, and we drove nine hours from there. Well, we drove two, th- two to three hours to what was that? Was that south, right? From Gulu? Yeah, with Gulu we went south a few hours and they, they took a quick detour at a game mm. park. And yeah. so they got we got to drive on a safari. A little oh, game cool. park. And yeah, it was it cool. Was unbelievable. So many animals. But it's the game it's not even a game park, it's just their right. one of their parks. Yes. Right. Uh, no fences, of course, you know. I think it's fifteen hundred square miles is how big this one was. Wow. Yeah. Um yeah. And then from there we drove uh, it was a long drive. That was a nine hour drive from yeah. there. From to, there to Kampala, and and we actually went back down. Um, so <clears throat> we kind of hit Kampala where we landed, but we where we flew in, but we kind of went around mm-hmm. the opposite side of Lake Victoria to the just small, like in the middle of the bush, like little community. Yeah. Um, three hours of that dri- three hours of that drive was through the park though, because yeah. there's a road that takes you straight through the park, which wow. is awesome because yeah. you're like, oh, elephants. Yeah. Oh, there's some monkeys over there. Yeah. But you're just driving through, and it's gorgeous. And then it goes from, like, desert land yeah. into, like, lush greenery because you get closer to the Congo, and it right. gets into way more, uh, like, rainforesty. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you get down towards Lake Victoria, then it also becomes, like, this tropical sort mm-hmm. of vibe. It's just yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. Beautiful. And so that's where Develop Sustainability is at. In fact, if you, if you do a trip to Develop Sustainability and you land in Kampala, your first drive, it would be like a van, like for an hour to the place you'd stay, but then you'd be on a boat for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And that boat would take you right to the dock of developed sustainability, basically, yeah. in Lake Victoria. And so that's where that's where it was at. And Jason and Brenda Summers, they've been, they've been there for about five years now. Um, they were part of Westside. And so they, um, they live there uh, full time. And if basically it's the opposite of gulu in that if that was urban this is just country bush um and and their their five acres that they have is just all farmland yeah. and it's beautiful yeah, farmland but again what they're doing is it's some of the same culture where there's a lot of competition in the culture and so for Jason and Brenda to show up and just and to see the hunger of the people there to learn mm. and to um learn new skills to learn ways to give back to their community Mm -hmm. it was so exciting for them so they instantly just started teaching what they knew and um from mechanics to welding to farming and and um like for example their 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 hope their their heart is to um really create sustainable living so to teach a skill that then can be used Mm -hmm. to provide for their family and so for example one uh, one of the best things i heard is that jason taught one of the young men there how to be a mechanic and now um, this, the city uses him as their, the community uses him as their mechanic. Jason pays him now as a mechanic yeah. um, after teaching him how to do it. And so it's just really great um, uh, kind of this circle that they're, that they're running. But they, one of the things I was blown away of, they developed sustainability, is they actually employ 29 uh, men and women from the community um, and are teaching them uh, to farm. Mm-hmm. And then now... I mean, that was what they did to start with. But now, like Gulu, where you have these young influencers who are leaders in their community, you actually now have this in, in the community, in the farms, too, where mm-hmm. seeing people like, no, there's there's new ideas for how mm-hmm. to grow vanilla, new ideas for how to plant, for how to create sustainable produce, for how to do all these things. And they're just like running with it to where now Jason and Brenda are finding themselves learning from yeah. them and as well. As, and it's just like expanding okay. and it's just blowing up. The ripple effect is huge. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought that was that was incredible. 
um, getting to walk the farm and meet yeah. the people there. Well, and all those people are going to bring what they know into it because, of course, they're learning certain skills, but they're also bringing the way that they've worked their whole life mm. into yeah. that too, you know, and they know how to work the land because they're natives of the land. So they know what works better, what doesn't work better. A lot of the land is really rough. There's a lot of rock. Mm. So it's not just like you're casual shoveling some dirt is like, it's intense. So there's ways around that. And there's also this guy named Huntington who had created this ledger of how to record how um, they pollinate the vanilla. It was yeah, like his yeah. idea. You, you got to tell them all about the vanilla. Go oh, the vanilla is amazing. Yeah, because yeah. you guys might not realize this, but vanilla is like worth more than silver now. <laughs> it's yes. like this amazing. It's like ten dollars a bean. The world has yeah. gone off. Yeah, uh, fake chemical vanilla. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the market is blowing up as they should. Yeah. I mean, it's it's neat. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, one of the guys, the guys named Huntington, he asked if I wanted to try to. Uh, I followed him around a little bit and took some pictures of what they were doing. And he's like, you want to try to do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and I guess there's only one bee in the world, which is in Mexico, that can pollinate this flower. And that's the only place. So all the other vanilla that you that you get from around the world is pollinated by hand. Yeah. Um, and I think the majority of it is from Madagascar. Yeah. That's like the highest concentration. So it you peel, very delicately, you have to peel back this flower. Uh, and there's like this little um, needle, but it's like a thorn from a bush that they use. Uh, and you kind of like open up where there's a there the bud is, and there's a flap that you kind of it's you ha- you'd have to see it in person. But it's very delicate, and if you do it wrong, it'll ruin the flower, and it won't yeah. produce any vanilla. Also, so if you wait too really long, really highly skilled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah, you have to in the morning. So if it like rained the night hours. before, there's you know you have like three to four hours before the flower will close, and if you don't pollinate it in time. You yeah. don't get anything. So every you don't, it has to be done every day. Yeah. So it's definitely a job you have to do. Uh, he created this system of like, he tagged all of all of the vanilla um, plants were all tagged with like a bottle cap with a number of yeah. what number the plant was. And then he went through with like a ledger and he writes down who's pollinating it to see how it's producing. Yeah. Um, and and the number of the tree. Uh, and he just has, he's made that ledger. So now he goes through and he knows each one, what it has. And then as they start producing, yeah. they can go back and be like, well, this, poll- this pollinating was bad. So maybe we'll have somebody move to do something different. But just even that ledger of like knowing what is there, like I think that day they just did 183 yeah. flowers that morning. Yeah. And they'll do it again the next day and the yeah. next day. And, then and just it produces. The, yeah. And the way that he, what he did is he actually broke apart because they had like five or six people working on the vanilla farm and they weren't getting a lot of, um, production out of it and so they actually s- kind of split the vanilla um orchard yeah vineyard Vine- what, what do you call vanilla yeah. Pl- yeah. anyway patch patch vanilla patch <laughs> that's what it is vanilla patch into like several um segments and then everybody was responsible for one segment uh-huh. and that actually created um competition it yeah, created yeah, like yeah. uh this fun way of like making sure you had responsibility for yeah, your area yeah. and all of a sudden things started to produce so and cool. that was that was the idea's not from Jason and Brenda. That was just ideas that the that the team and the staff had, and it was incredible. That one afternoon we got to eat with them, which was so much fun oh, to sit with these guys bread, and yes. just laugh and talk. And it was so cool as it was English, so a lot of them spoke English. So we were just able to ask questions and oh, yeah. spend that time with them. It was beautiful. So what's you know it's sitting, chatting with these people, talking yeah. about their life, you know things like that. Um, what are some of the things now? Uh, around developed sustainability that you're carrying back, some of those mm. learnings, um, you know, things that affected you, things that could affect us, you know? 
I know how to pollinate vanilla now. So yeah, <laughs> are you gonna give it a go? I, I would Can love to. I mean, that'd be amazing. The you know, first Oregon vanilla. Uh, <laughs> it's so neat. It's so like uh, relaxing to do. So yeah, it's definitely that was and that was within you know, ten minutes. And I like he didn't let me stop. He kept like taking me around. So I was like, I guess I, I guess I'm doing this now for the next yeah, 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say 25 or 30 years. No, <laughs> this, is, this is my life now. No, I definitely could. Yeah, it would yeah. be ama- amazing just to go there and just work the land. I think that whole simplicity mind of like, um, why as I'm going to say for myself, if I get bored or, um, I feel like I don't have things to do. There's like plenty to do. There's things that I choose not to do. Yeah. You know, like if I don't want to go outside and clean my yard or things like you're just like, no, this is just what you do. You go out and you work the land. The farming, in, for my mind, has always been like keeps you busy, mm-hmm. works you hard. You know, you're you're busy, you're tired, you, you know, you have a you, and then you're done. And then the next day you have something to do again. It's like you're not it's not like, oh, what am I going to do today kind of yeah. thing, you know, or like you're tired of your job. It's like, no, this is you just work the land and it produces for you. Yeah. And you get stuff back from it, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think to answer your question, Richard, give me a second to think about it. The the one thing that I would say that we could definitely take back from, well, there's two, uh, but the first one is the problem-solving abilities. Mm-hmm. Every, like, we, we take hurdles that we come across, and I, I say this in a huge generalization. It seems like oftentimes hurdles that come up will stop us, mm-hmm. and you just can't be stopped by hurdles. Like you have to recognize like we have to solve the problem to do it. Oh, yeah. You Increasingly our culture is mm-hmm. oh and, and even our Christian culture. Yeah. Oh, that's not happening easily, so it must be the wrong thing. Right. I should do something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And then even in the Christian culture that becomes over spiritualized. Yeah. And it's like, well actually like when you think about building a home or doing anything for these, like they, everything has to be done by hand and there has to be a way to do it. Like if there's a trail leading from point A to point B, but we need a road. So before we do any sort of work on that location, we need to build the road to get there. So yep. then you, once you build the road, then you got to transport the water. Everything requires thought process and yep. problem solving. Steps. And if they stopped at, at a hurdle, <clears throat> nothing gets done. Yep. And so that's one of the things and like we, we could probably use a little more of that determination. Mm. Yeah, um, there's a tenacity there. Mm. But the other thing that, for sure impacted me um, was the amount that they poured out of themselves for each other. Um, <clears throat> we, I tend to put it in a box like, and, and, and I'm just speaking super transparently. I think I oftentimes will say, okay, I'll give this certain amount to this relationship or to this project or to this people. And then I'll take my own, my me time. And you think about somebody like Jaja Winnie or somebody like um, Esther, you know, who had the how many kids in her in her uh, classroom? Was it sixty-eight kids? Oh yeah, yeah, three and four-year-olds, like yeah, you said. three and four-year-olds, um, <laughs> uh, or or these people who are really willing to say, "Look, my whole life is going to be poured out in service for somebody yeah. else. Mm. My whole life is going to be dedicated to loving yeah. other people really, really, really well." Yeah. And I just walked away from that, just realizing how much we as an American culture are so individualized and so yeah. me-centric. Mm. Even even in our family culture. Absolutely. Um, do we give out to our, even just our family, our parents, our siblings, our nieces, our nephews, our, even yeah. our kids. Not community-based people. Yeah, yeah know, exactly. Culture <clears throat> but it's just, it's just like, no, it's... it's and so I, we were talking to Jason and Brenda a little bit. They were telling us about some of the security that they need in different places. But they said, honestly... 
We actually don't need much security on our farm because 29 people from our community work here and love this place. Mm-hmm. And there's a community of, of accountability Absolutely. with each other. And so, I don't know, I, I left thinking like we have so much to learn in how we do community and how we yeah. love each other. Yeah. Really I love well. that. Yeah. It's also, it's very like Genesis 2 commission, you know, to yes. like go roll out order in creation, <clears throat> you know, and they're encountering like the brokenness in creation. Like it'll now be by the sweat of your brow. Like you need that bee from Mexico. Like it's, it's hard. Yeah, exactly. But um, there's, there's still instancing the kind of Genesis 2 humanity of like, but we're going to partner with each other, partner mm. with God. Yeah. And yeah, we, man, we've got like the gospel of comfort over here. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I, like I said, again, I feel like they, there was more joy and love there in community that I've experienced, you know, in a long time because yeah. it's like, I'm here, I'm in my car, I'm at my house, I'm in, around my doors. I don't have to answer my phone. Like you're just kind of like, I, but I, I want it. I want yeah. that community. I want that love. Like when coming yeah. to church mm-hmm. on Sunday, it's like yeah. I'm around people and I feel yeah. I feel the spirit of the Lord, you know, like I'm here and, and I can talk to people. I see people's smiles. And and then you kind of just like, it's a fight to maybe set up a meal with somebody or like it's just yeah. all this, it, 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 we just don't live that way, no. you know? So it goes back to what you're saying, Richard, where our version of the gospel tends to have a lot of material things mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. Um, tends to have a lot of like, well, success for us or happiness for us equals having. Mm-hmm. And we, we just ask just wrong and there's wrong thinking. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. There's just, it's, it's a, something that we need to learn. And so I, I want to like, before we finish this podcast, I got to talk about, cause I know some people are asking me after on Sunday, we announced the trips coming up. Like, well, well, why, what's the purpose of those? And like, let's be really clear. It, these, the trips, the reasons that we send people to these locations. Yeah. It's, it's to do some work. Yeah, it's to help out where needed, but it's to learn. It's to learn. And and we want to make sure that, that that it works for our partners. Like I don't ever want to send a trip that is inconvenient or um, uh, doesn't work well for our partners. So it has to work in their time frame and it has to fit a need um, that they have and the right people have to go. But man, it's I recognize that when we send a trip, the majority of the influence and impact is on the people that we send versus that the people that I think our culture has tended to lean towards a narrative that says we're going to go help fix. And that's yeah. just not the way we do it. Yeah. That's just not, that's just not true. And it's not the output we want to, we want, we want to give or even the heart posture we want to step into it. So all of our trips have some pretty intensive like application process, pre-trip training, where, where we work a lot on heart posture. Like, what's mm. the purpose of us mm-hmm. going and why are we going? And again, are you doing that work that you're wanting to go do? Are you doing it here locally? Are you doing it at home? Because um, then I don't really want you to go somewhere else if you don't know the name of your neighbor. Uh, you know, that sort of yeah. stuff. And so so our our focus in our heart as we send these trips out is, is go learn, see what it is that Jesus is up to, and see if there's any way that you can begin to pour out in the way that you're going to you're gonna receive, because we, you just do on those sort of trips. You receive so much. I came home from that trip just so full mm. and just like hoping and praying that I was able to give some of what yeah. I received yeah. on that trip. So. And, and like you're saying, Jerry, there's some of that, like it affects maybe how we do church, how we do community, how we do like uh, the local work of Jesus. But there's just something where like, there are aspects of life that they're succeeding at that we're not. 
Yeah. And, and, and our culture's like caught in like a short circuit or something, mm-hmm. you know? And culture normally changes incrementally. Mm-hmm. But when you go to another culture with a posture of learning, then you can be like radically affected. Because I bet both of you, there's going to be like, you come back and there'll be like a bit of like, how you spend your Saturday afternoon or like, so, you know, something yeah. about your life that you're yeah. going to be like, ah, <laughs> oh, I can see that differently. Like there's well, a possibility you can now see yeah. that they've taught you yeah, that maybe it would have taken the whole generation yeah. to yeah. get to here. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got home and one of the first conversations from one of my <laughs> children, and I will not tell you who. <laughs> I um, heard about this. But we all know which one. <laughs> we all know which one. <laughs> Was beginning to convince, trying to convince Jenny and I that they needed more video game time. <laughs> and I'm just like... We've never run into that in our house. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was like a full-on, like, like four-point <laughs> talk, TED Talk. On Is this how what they'd to, worked on the 10 days you I were think away? so, yeah. on, on why it's important for them. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Power <laughs> laser pointer. <laughs> <laughs> um, on why it was important. And I just remember, I was just like this is the wrong time to have this conversation. <laughs> like, like watch, watch this all go away right now. And they looked shocked. Like what? Yeah. And then one of the other kids like, wow, I, mom and dad got to quit going to Uganda. Like this is hard <laughs> for us. I'm just like, look, we have so much that we can learn on loving each other in community and what we do with our free time and how we engage with each other. I don't just know. So delighting each other, you just know? delighting yeah. in yeah. the company that we get to yeah. keep with each other. Absolutely. And so I don't know, as, uh, as we think about these next few trips that are going out and, and again, we don't have time to talk about the Scotland trip um, trips because I, I've gotten a couple questions. on yeah. like, like, why but, Scotland? Uh, we will put, if you don't know where to find it, we'll put a link in the notes to the here to cry website. And then right. you can like start finding out a bit more. Exactly. And exactly. you know, Weston's, he's not that bad. Like you find him on a Sunday, he'll talk to you. I would love to talk with you all day long. <laughs> Actually, about, Jerry's not bad either. No, you Jerry's can talk awesome. to him. He might just not know as much about the Scotland trip. You're right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. nope. But um, I would love to talk more about the heart behind that. But I think I think as Hear the Cry um, goes, we I think to define it just really simply is we, we want to be about um, loving people really well and about learning yeah. um, from other cultures and other places. And if there's a way that we can give back, we want to we want to help that too. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. All right, I think that's enough for today. Thanks for listening, hey, everyone. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, awesome. guys. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by At Jesus Church College, based at Westside At Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.